Thanks for listening. This is Ralph and Vicki's Off-Grid Podcast with your host, Pete Rogers. This podcast, number two, and today we're going to discuss early season whitetail hunting tactics in the Midwest. This segment of the Off-Grid Podcast is brought to you by Beeman Arrows. Beeman is considered one of the world's innovators of carbon arrow technology. Beeman continues at the forefront of the industry by developing new methods and processes for ever improving their products. Beeman arrows are used by pros and sportsmen alike for their perfect balance of speed, durability, consistency, strength, and value. Beeman Carbon Arrows, made in the USA and purely American. Welcome to Off Grid with Ralph and Vicki, the podcast dedicated to archery, hunting, and living the outdoor lifestyle. I'm the host, Pete Rogers, and today's podcast, we're going to be discussing early season whitetail hunting in the Midwest, ag country. Ooh, okay. All right. Wow. Uh, so have we ever done it? Hmm. Uh, Ralph, where do you live? Ag country, Midwest. Oh. Illinois. Oh. Where would I like to live? No. We're like talking, Colorado? We're or white tail Oh, okay. Right I'm sorry. White tail hunting in the Midwest. In okay. ag country. Ag country. Ag country. So, um... Early season. Early October. We're actually, uh, um, you'll say it's, it's the beginning of season. Season in the Midwest typically opens around October 1st. So let's talk first about do you how to scout, prepare, pattering deer for early season, and then we can kind of take it from there. So what would be some of the things that you would recommend to someone um, to get maybe to start finding deer, scouting, finding good uh, places to set up? Well, I, you know, Pete, I, I think probably the first thing I would tell you for anybody to have a little bit more success than they normally have, and that is you, your season never ends. Your hunting aspect of it, you know, shooting of the animals. However, you should be in the field as much as possible. And I'm not just talking come October 1st, um, you know, communicate with the landowners, find out what those farmers are planning, you know, for okay. next year. Yep. Know this because your crop rotation also can change the rotation of your your, your movement. Okay. You, okay. I mean, you know, for, first and foremost, let's talk about one of the most important things that I those well, two of the most important things that are overlooked. One, acorns. Man, we are in oak country. White oaks, black. I mean, you, you know what I mean. We have. Oh Vicky. yeah, we have all kinds of different. And it, depending on the year <clears throat> and whether you get a lot of rain or not enough rain, yeah. it's going to depend on how that harvest is going to be, how those crops are going to fall. Yep. And and I mean, Vicky's nailing it. It is a crop. Mm-hmm. It is a crop for game. Yes, it is. <laughs> and and, and it, it literally could be the absolute best food plot you've ever sat on. Early season. There's acorns. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Protein, calcium, it has everything. And those big mature animals know that that could put a lot more fat on them because they know what's coming up, you know, in in a pre-rut, post-rut situation. So that acorn crop is huge. Know it. Know it before October 1. Well, here's a question that as somebody who's not from the Midwest, what what type of acorns do you have here? Like at home, we have white oaks, red oaks, pin oaks, water oaks, and white oaks drop every year. Red oaks drop every other year. And then we have beech nuts that like every five years that they drop. So... Do y'all have the same kind of oak trees? I don't in the think we have water oak. No, I don't here. think we have water oak. But we have okay. red and pin yep. and whites, and obviously the whites are obviously their favorite. Right. You know, okay. we, we we can tell you that much. Oh, you know, yeah. That that's, you know, you can sit the two different trees, and you're going to have right. more underneath the white oaks. And let's talk, you know, for a lot of people that may not even know, 
You, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? A lot of people don't know what an oak tree is. They don't know, you know, they don't know what right. an elm, uh, you know, a walnut. Here's here's just a, a good walk through that land. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you're going to see all this scratching on the ground. Look up and get it, get used to that leaf pattern, get used to that bark pattern right. because the turkeys, the deer, the squirrels, the the any wildlife is going to tell you where they're feeding. Yeah. And that is a ticket. Now, if you don't if you if you don't have that, stand out there quietly and listen. And when those when those acorns are dropping, you're going to hear it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, these are just little tips that can get someone that's never done it before. Right. Get them to a location that is a consistent and very powerful draw. Okay. For you know, for the for these mature for, for deer hunting. Okay. Let's just go for deer hunting. Right. Because a whole lot of people they may not be trying to shoot a trophy. Right. They're trying to fill the freezer. That's exactly right. 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 And you know, and you had made a comment, Ralph, about it being a, a year long thing. It's yeah, you know, you have your hunting season, but it's not just your hunting season; it's everything else. Late season here is a great time for us to find out where the deer are at and how they've been moving. Sure, your patterns, the your patterns, trails, and everything are trails, so prevalent. I mean, yeah, your your. I mean, is it the same way in South Carolina? Say all the leaves fall down, you can see the trails so much clearer. Come Does it ever season? change in South Carolina? Uh, I mean, I know much. we're talking yeah. Yeah. four seasons there, do you? Not much. We have we have uh, summer and Christmas. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's that's pretty much it. It's oh, just yeah, hot no. all the time. No, yeah. we have everything. We have all seasons here in Northwestern <laughs> Illinois. And, I mean, that is one of the benefits though hunting Midwest is we do have the seasons, yep. and it does help you throughout the whole year to see it if you have that that ability right. to be right. here during that time. Right. And so, so now we, let's throw in, we, we, we've discussed the acorns, okay. which to, to us is a, a huge thing. Early season, let's address another thing, water. Yep. A whole lot of people overlook thinking about water. Yeah. You know, well, we got a creek, you know, a mile down the road. If you could establish a small little water source on your five acres, because <laughs> most people don't have 10, they don't have a hundred. That's right. I mean, that's so out of the realm. Yeah. So if you just have just a little access, if you could talk to that landowner and, and actually try to, to, to give a water source, especially that early season, when we're dealing with temperatures that you, you guys are used to down south right. all the time. Right. We sometimes do get warm temperatures. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. In those warm temperatures, what are the what do the animals need? They need water. They need water. They have to drink about two and a half quarts a day of deer dust. So, so here's what we got. We just, you know what I mean. We yeah. just talked about two things in in an area in the Midwest that is dealt with thousands and thousands of acres of ag. We didn't even talk about the egg. No, we talked not about, yet. No, not we yet. talked about acorns and water. Well, let me ask you about the water. You talk about building a, a or creating a small water source. What size and shape? Or does it matter the shape, but the size? Are you talking Anything about? we've ever found, it doesn't matter. Good example, you can walk, you can turn around, walk through a piece of little timber, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it rains. Go back the next day, and you got deer tracks in a puddle that's one foot by one foot. Right. Deer, deer will find the water. Right, they will find it. They're going to find the water. You know, and I've seen. I'm sure you have too. Or read stories about guys who take the little kitties swimming pools and yep. put those in the oh, ground. Absolutely, and, and that's for what is that? Like and why does that work? Feet, was that five feet by one yeah. feet or something yeah. like that? Why does that work? Well, because they're putting a liner. Yeah. Because a lot of times, if you just put a piece of plastic, the deer hoofs go in there, rip it, and all of a sudden, yeah. your, all your it's water disperses in, into the yeah. ground. Yeah. So doing anything like that, mm-hmm. a trough. 
Right. Uh, you know, go to a farm and fleet store, go yeah. to a tractor supply, buy a, you know, a water trough that they would put out for your cattle. Yeah. You'd be amazed. And if you think, if you don't, if you don't believe me, set up a trail camera and see what happens. So do you bring water to that trough yes. and fill it up or do you just like rain do it? Or <clears throat> no, if, if especially, I mean, it, really, Pete, it all depends on your moisture, what, what you have going on in that year. You right, know, like right now, if we had one out there, we would definitely not need to take your water out there. It would be right overflowing now. from yeah. the amount of you rain you had. You use that for floating down, you know yeah. what I mean? Just, yeah. you know, and like you just said, you know, we were talking about acorns, which is food, and now we're just talking about water. And I think one of the things that you'll hear us over and over and over multiple times throughout all the different podcasts when we're talking about game is food cover and water. Yep. Yeah. You know. Three main things that hardly anyone talks about. So you know if you're using a, a trough as an example, would you bury it or would you just leave it on top of the ground like you do cattle or half and half? Or I don't think it matters. I think it matters. Okay. As long as it's accessible. And honestly, I think it does. Let me take this back. Not the height or anything, but the more natural you could make it, I think the faster it will be accepted, right. number one. Makes sense. You, you know what I mean? So you got a bright galvanized <coughs> right. tank in the middle of the woods, they're not going to necessarily yep. flock to it because it doesn't look natural. Number two is learning your area. Instead of just hunting come October 1, you know, never really stop hunting, you, you know what I mean, as far as right. scouting and everything and learning your area. Um, putting that water in a strategic spot, just don't throw it anywhere. Know, their, know where they're bedding, mm-hmm. know where they're feeding. Right put it in an interception area that's favorable and i want to stress that that's favorable to the wind conditions that you normally have on that given time of year right so we're using it just like we set up you know you could set up a food plot for food source then you set up a killing spot right knowing for the particular winds at that time of year right same thing with the water if you can do it that way you know I, i mean let's face it in the Midwest, you have drainages, you have ditches, you have irrigation. You have so many things there for right, them. Right. But up on a hill where they're crossing this hill to get to their bedding to the, you know, to, to, to that, that north facing slope because it's warm. They want to come up over this hill. If I put that water up on that hill, I'm going to have activity there. And now I make it yeah. so it's easy for me to get in and get out without disturbing anything, without contaminating anything. Right. It will pay big dividends. Yeah. That's a very good, that's a very good point about putting it on top of a hill instead of in the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes it easier, too, if you have to fill it up. Oh, yeah. You can get to it without disturbing the deer with your quad or your machine in order to dump water in it. You know. All right. So we've covered acorns. We've covered water. Cover. Vicky mentioned cover. Yep. So um, do you like to target bedding areas in early season? Do you like to target feeding areas or transition areas? Transition. So between bedding. I I really like to stay out of bedding. Okay. I I think, you know, we make a mistake where we infringe on on a a very, what we would call a sanctuary. Mm -hmm. And when you start adding pressure, see, one of the cool things with the early season is you're talking about having deer in a pattern of no panic, no stress. Mm-hmm. The only panic or stress was predators. Right. And they're not running yet. So they're still kind of calm. They just got the ant- the velvet off their antlers. They're just feeding. They're just having a good time. They're hanging out with all the boys early season. Yep. They're in their bachelor groups. Yep. And all of a sudden, you, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. so what's nice is if you can, you understand that first 10 days or even more, if you can control the pressure. But again, a lot of people 
don't have a lot of land. Right. So, you know, they got Tom, Dick, and Harry, are, you know, hunt this farm, and then their cousins hunt it and everything else. So even though you did all your your homework, you can't control the pressure coming in from the other guys. That's right. And once that pressure starts to hit, if you're searching for a mature animal, that pushes that animal further and further into those night hours, right. that nocturnal period. Right. But early season, you can pattern those bigger deer okay. and you can see them and you could sneak in and get opportunities at them mm-hmm. as long as you control the pressure. Well, let me ask this. I think we were talking about this off, you know, when we wasn't recording last night. Off we grid. Yeah, we were talking about it off grid. Yeah. Exactly. Um, about... And some people say early season, they never hunt mornings because they're afraid of blowing the deer out. They only hunt the afternoons. Um, is that something that you'd recommend in this type of setting or, or does it just depend on the conditions? I think every situation is different. Yeah, I would say we do that late season. Yes. We don't want to push them because they're bedding really close to the food source come late season. Right. Because they don't want to exert the extra energy. They want to yeah. keep the weight on. Early season, I think it really depends on the situation. I mean, if we're getting great trail camera photos and we know we can get to a stand without bumping something Mm -hmm. and we're seeing good buck activity in the morning, then we're going to go ahead and try doing it if we have the right wind to get there. Right. That's the whole key is you got to obviously play the wind and make sure you're not going to bump something. If we're hunting timber stands rather than. Well, we're, yeah, what we're going to focus on is we're not going to focus on food sources in the morning. Right. Okay. It's It's going to be more of a timber going back towards the bedding area. Still, again, a transitional area again. That's what we do. Yeah, I want to be in that timber. I want to be in the transition area. Um, You know, but we also have to be, we have to be aware of our approach. Right. And this is where getting to know the landowners and you land owners around you we've had tremendous success talking to a landowner saying listen would it be okay randy for example he he allows us to park right by the right by their house their garage and we walk in the backside never infringe on all of our our north and our west movement right and we're using a neighbor's property. He get, you know, he has, we have permission to get in there. And, and I'm telling you, night and day difference in success. Well, access to stands are, is critical. Yes. Yeah. And we can do a whole podcast on just that. And we may at some point. Yeah. Um, but uh, back to the agriculture, hunting the ag fields. So in early season, are you hunting the edge of the fields in the afternoons? Because they're coming to the fields, or right. are you still in the timber? No, no, it all depends, Pete. You know, and, and a lot, like Vicky said, c- cameras, and there's some people that say you shouldn't use camera. You know what I mean? Yeah. Here's the thing. I love cameras. Mm-hmm. We have um, I, what I call, um, yeah, uh Severe spy point linkage. Okay. Because okay? what it so, is. Yeah. So we have our spy point cameras and they're called spy point link. <clears throat> Basic. It's a cellular. Uh, so yeah. we, we don't go crazy on it. We, we actually, we, we what don't. What do you mean we don't we go don't, crazy? We don't have you sent, are addicted just we don't as have much them, as I am. We don't have them sent to our phone. They're sent to the app. We yeah. go online and we check the app for yes. them. And, you know, we don't, it's not crazy. We don't have it instantaneously. We only, you no, know. No, because I, we, she, she, you I know. I would never get any she, work done. I'd be like, oh, my God, there's another yeah, photo. There's another I, photo. There's I think photo. we need to be clear here, Pete. I'm, I'm addicted, okay? Yeah. She is way addicted. I oh. love when you start getting deer activity. <clears throat> uh, turkeys. Oh, my gosh. We have so many turkeys. It drives yeah. me crazy. But 
So when you open the app, it starts dumping in pictures. It's, you can go to your camera, whatever you name yeah. your camera. You know where your cameras are at. Yeah. You can start seeing what you have. They have a buck tracker app on there, so you can go ahead and print buck tracker. Just see bucks. And it will just show buck photos really? instead just of everything Just does just turkeys. Else. And they're working on, like, if you want elk and everything else, they're yeah. working. It's super oh, cool. So that's it, cool. It's, it is cool, but it is an addiction. We'll be right back with more of Ralph and Vicky's Off-Grid Podcast with your host, Pete Rogers. This segment of the Off-Grid Podcast is brought to you by Hoyt and the all-new 2019 Redworks Carbon RX3 Series. These bows are engineered for those archers who demand everything. They are built to perform and excel in the most pressure-packed conditions imaginable. Nothing delivers like the Hoyt Carbon RX3 Series. Get serious. Get Hoyt. Welcome back to Ralph and Vicky's Off-Grid Podcast with your host, Pete Rogers. It's but we joke about it as being an addiction. Yes. But at the same time, we put those cameras. Well, we put those cameras also in areas where we don't want to have to keep going in there and putting our scent. Right. So I mean, there's some areas we don't have them out every single place. We have our regular spy point cameras out there where we have to go and exchange cards and stuff on them. But some of those ones, like down on the bottom. Over there on that secret spot we yes. can't talk about. Don't say it. You know, or the other secret spot. Yeah, over, yeah, yeah. But, you know, so the places where you are a little nervous about, you don't want to keep going in there until it's just right and the wind is perfect. Yeah. Those those cameras are amazing for that. And you don't have, uh, on the camera real quick, you don't have trouble getting signals out or anything like that? Do you have you to know, do the it's use gotten better. areas where, yeah, it's gotten better and they also have some antenna extenders. They have yeah, some yeah, they have a booster now. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you know, but, but again, Again, using those mm-hmm. definitely. What what I love about it, you know, we, we believe in the, the lunar, we, you know, all the, the moon phases. Okay. We, we do, and the activity peaks and when it doesn't. And if you really want to test that, you question it. See, in thick cover like where we're at, you really can't judge it unless you're in the woods, right? Out west, or you know, in in a out, you know northwest where we're spotting and stalking, mm-hmm. you could look at those, those those times, and the next thing you know, you're going like, man, we haven't seen anything. It's nine thirty in the morning, and you know, it's possibly showing your peak peak movement today is ten forty five to you know one p.m. Mm-hmm. Well, you sitting out there the whole day on a mountain, you could oversee everything. The next thing you know, you're like, oh my gosh, look at. There's this, there's caribou, there's elk, or, and, and you start to learn that there is truly something to it. Okay. I'm no scientist, no biologist, but it, it works. Yeah. Well, with our cameras, we also can do the same thing in thick cover. Yeah. When all of a sudden Vicky's like, hey, look at what, what, you know, what were the peak movements today? And when then we compare it to the peak movements on the trail camera, and you're like, oh. So you have the predicted peak movement and then the photographs are saying. Solidifying. Oh, wow. So it's exactly the same time or really close or to close it. Or close to it. And yeah. there really isn't much moving right now. I can just let you guys know. Yeah, see, yeah. She's, she's. She's checking the app now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm checking the app right now. I'm like, speaking of. Well, it has been raining all day and it's hot and humid. It has been. And there's yeah. really nothing moving But, well, I mean, you know, here again. They'll be moving in the morning. And it's open. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. This yeah. is opening week. Right. And, and, you know, we are, we're trying to get things done. But we're also not pressuring when mm-hmm. we shouldn't be. Right. If we could, if anybody could learn something from all of us, you, Vicky, and I, is is 
Yes, you want to hunt hard, mm-hmm. but hunt smart. Right. Don't educate them in advance of trying to get in there. You, you know, if things aren't right, and, and there's a ton of people that they only have Saturday and Sundays to hunt. Or just Saturday. A lot of states yeah, still you're can't right. hunt you're on right. Sunday. Yeah, yeah, you can hunt on Sunday. You know, so so, so we're, we're not telling you not to go. I mean, right. go, because that's right. all you have. Yeah. But for but don't let your prime spot necessarily. Right. Don't don't contaminate it. You know what I mean? And, and you know, I, I guess leading into Pete is, is, again, we are not hunting deer that never smell a human. Right, because you're in that country. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but you still have to control your scent because the closer you get to them, the stronger it is, and the more and it lingers, right. and yep. and all that kind of stuff. And so. early season, it's usually warmer. Yep. I mean, this past week, this past week we were eighty five, eighty six degrees yeah. for a couple of days. Crazy. Yeah, try scent control when you're pouring sweat. Yeah, right. Well, you guys deal with it almost the whole all season. The time. Yeah, yeah. I was running thermocells last year in December. Yeah, we don't. It was no. ridiculous. No, how no. no thermocells. <laughs> I mean, you know, but, but again. What, what do we deal with in the Midwest? Soybeans and corn. Okay. And what does corn do? You, you know what I mean? Yeah. They're going to go in. They're going to feed with with the cobs on the stalk. Yeah. They don't knock it all down. That's how they feed it. You know, your raccoons will tear the stalks down and everything. But um, So the deer will actually peel the shucks back or the and then they'll go in there and they'll start They'll just eating. eat it. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. But look what corn does. Food. Tremendous cover. Oh, yeah. And water. There's moisture sitting on all those leaves. Mm-hmm. And where the tractor went through, there's tracks, and that fills with water if you have condensation or if you have moisture. Okay. So now, why do they even have to leave standing corn? So they'll just stay in the corn all the time. They'll bed down in have there. Their security. Like well, Vicki said, food cover water. They have it all on one thing. I think the only time that, that we've actually seen it where the deer. <clears throat> aren't so happy in the corn is that velvet. Velvet. Yeah, and velvet because it will hit. They don't want to tap those It's still growing. It it just irritates them. It irritates them a little bit, yeah. And, you know, for for anyone that's ever been around deer, you you know, like, like, remember going to a deer park. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You you know, where where the tourists go and and they're hand hand feeding the deer and you got a deer in velvet and try to try to just touch the rack and you'll watch what happens. You know, you know anything touching? No, no they I don't. mean nothing. It must be tender. <laughs> it has to be. It it's a be. blood. I mean, yeah. blood's pumping through its skin yeah. at that moment. Yeah. I'd like to say it's hair, but you know, look, look at the top of my head. It don't grow much. Grow so much. I must yeah. have lost my velvet and never yeah. come back. Well, you've been rubbing the bushes too much. Oh, there, yeah. That's See, what I'm scraping too. That's I'm scraping. <laughs> scraping. <laughs> yeah. All um, right. So, so with the corn, you have standing corn and then harvested corn. Because when I was driving up here, I saw that there uh, every combine that can is out there just cutting everything right now. So, yeah. so you have to have a different tactic if you're hunting standing corn than if you're hunting freshly harvested corn. Well, Pete, you just brought up a really good point, and again, it goes back to communication. Mm-hmm. Talk to your farmers, okay? Because your farmer will turn around. You call them up and say, "Listen, I'm heading out. You know, I got two days off of work." Or, or just say, "Hey, when are you going to take the corn out? When are you going to cut the beans?" You, that that's a that's a magnet that's for game. Actually, a great example of that is that okay. So I don't remember first year we had Dr. Chris out here. Yeah, we put Dr. Chris out on on a piece of property we have down here, and our little our little piece of property has cornfield all the way around it. Okay, it has two roads. It's right on a corner, and it's all cornfield. And we put him out there, and he calls. He sends me a text message. 
And he's like, I'm hearing a loud noise. He's thinking we put him in a guard He's from Alabama. He didn't, you know what I mean? He's, yeah. Yeah, he's thinking, he's like, what are you doing to me? I can hear a tractor running. And I text him back. I'm like, Chris, get ready. And he's like... He never replies back to me, and I'm thinking, he's probably thinking we stuck him in this car hole because there's tractors out there. Yeah. I kid you not, the next text message I got within the next five minutes was, I just shot a buck. A good buck. A good buck. <clears throat> and I'm like, Ralph, I'm like, and I'm like, are you jacking around with me? Yeah, are you joking? Yeah. And he's like, no. No. He goes, I got your text message, and I heard noise, and I looked, and this buck came through, and he shot it. So the deer hear the tractors. They know there's going to be corn on the ground. Every no, 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 no. The deer being pushed the deer out of the corn. Out of the, the corn. Out of the corn. Now they'll yeah. go right back in it. They'll go back in until it's done. But, yeah. you know, and then they'll go and they'll feed around on the cut corn as well. But when they're in the corn and those combines are running, it's pushing the deer out of the corn and into the timber. So, so it's like a drive, but you're using the it, combine. Yes, yeah, it is. Yep. It is. You and talk he, to any farmer, huh? You talk to any yeah. farmer and they'll tell you stories of monster bucks standing at Not night, the move. as their combine and gets up, just goes two rows over and looks at them, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, look at the size of that deer!" And wait till they come back and yep. gets up, and moves over again. That's it. Yeah, we see that with loggers at home. We have a large timber industry. Oh, okay. And you see that that the deer are just moving around the skidders and the cutters and everything. They're not fleeing. Right. And as soon as they knock off for the day, you can see the deer pouring into the clear cut to see what kind of fresh browse there is. Yep. It's a, it's a, it's amazing. So you just brought up something else too. What? Farmers. Farmers. Yeah. We we did. I did this test in the eighties. It bugged the snot out of me. It really did. I'd be like, you know, I'd go with one of the landowners. We drive through on his truck, uh-huh. and the deer would just stand there. So I'd go back. You know what I mean? And he yeah. just gave, he just showed me where I should go. I come in. I got my you know. I get in my dr- my truck. I go down the same road. The deer. All I see are tails flying in everywhere. And all I was going is, could, I was going to go hang all my stands and my sets, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like... But they stood you? there for the farmer's truck. Because they're used to the white truck, exactly. not used to the bike. Exactly. Animals get acclimated to certain things that happen on a regular basis. Yeah, if it's a diesel quickly. truck rather than a gas truck, I mean, there's yep. a lot of things that just... They get acclimated very quickly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. in yeah. fact, there was a few years ago, early season down in Pike, we were hunting down there with Ted, yep. and there was this big buck Ralph was after... And it almost worked. It did. It, it, it almost worked. We ended up, the tractor would go by and that deer would lay there bedded. If you drove by it. On a small a finger. All on the a time. little finger that you could see through. This little itty bitty finger of, of timber and cornfields on both sides. Well, I think one side was a bean field. Yeah. Anyway, so we got set up. He went out there on the combine to get to his tree stand. 180 almost inch buck. happened. Yeah, almost happened, but he got he's you know I got I got in there undetected. Everything's going good. I'm glassing him. He's about a hundred yards or so. Finally gets up, stretches, and we're thinking that you know he's going to come up. He, instead, he just went the other way, but he had no clue. Yeah. We Run utilized. Yeah, yep. we utilized it. And the other thing, Pete is and and you guys, I know you see it as well is, you know, if you're hunting a piece of property and the only time that you bring your four-wheeler in is opening day. Yeah, you're going to spook them. That's yeah. it. You're going to spook them. Spend some time. Go in there if you can. 
every other month. If you're driving a four wheeler, if you're walking, whatever you're doing, but give this, try to try to match the activity that you're going to have that same yeah. activity come hunting season. So they get acclimated. Yeah. You'll be surprised because how that'll pay dividends. Yeah, they'll see it and hear it. And, oh, he's not after me. No he's threat. just riding down the road. Right. Yeah. And then next time you do it, and the next time you drop. Well, as, as a matter of fact, a place I hunt with sometime, Blackwater Hunting Services in South Carolina. He's been doing this for, you know, 20 years. He drives his hunters directly to the base of the ladder stand. Yeah. They climb up. He drives right down the lane you're going to be hunting. And he said the deer have gotten yeah. so used to them driving those roads all the time. And his phrase is deer can't count. Right. They don't know they let somebody off. Yeah, I agree. So, You're right. Absolutely. And so a lot of times the truck, as soon as it gets out of sight, he hears a gunshot, turns right back around, comes and gets him. You know, so yeah, yeah they do. They get very, uh, uh, they can be trained to that. Yeah, acclimated is yeah. the best word. Yeah. So. And like, you know, one of our big favorite things, and it's been it for as long as I could remember, is our earth scent. Yeah. Our sent away earth scent mm-hmm. just because no matter where we've ever been anywhere on the globe, mm-hmm. when you pick up dirt, it smells like one thing. It smells like dirt. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That, that, that smell has always been a favorite of ours. Yeah. Yeah. Now, does it mask your odor? No, no, it's not. Ma- nothing, ma- nothing mask your odor completely. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but there are other things that you can use if they got cattle, cow pies, uh, I did that for years. Uh, I mean, he, the first time I went hunting yeah. with him, he did that. He sprayed me down with a bucket full of cow pies saturated in water. No, it was diluted. Come on now. It wasn't that bad. We just walked to the stand and step in them. And then you just carry <laughs> right. No, I would take no, he dry would make chips a spray bottle and I'd put it. them in a five gallon bucket and add water uh, and I would just let it dissolve. Yeah. And then I put it spray. in little spray bottles. And I'm going to tell you something. It it, it works. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, you stink like poop, but leave your hand <laughs> in the barn. Yeah. If, if you're around cattle. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's crazy, but there are certain things that really can help you yeah. to be more successful. You Absolutely. know what I mean? And some of them are very simple like that. Yes. Some of them are very simple yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, you know, but if you're, if you're hunting in an orange grove, don't wear apple scent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You go. See, there it's you kind go. of the same thing. It's kind of the same thing. I can also give you another great tip that my husband once did to me as well as we were oh, hunting in a ground line. Oh, and boy. I know where this is going. And he thought it would be a great <clears throat> idea for a cover scent of, of raccoon urine. Yes. Right? It was yes. raccoon urine. Yes, it was. Inside the ground blind. Well, no, now wait. The, the reason, strong, isn't it? No, but the reason I did, the wind started swirling. Horrible. Hey, come on now, you got to help me here. No. The wind started swirling and I tried to avoid being detected. Right. So I just grabbed it and I sprayed up on top and by the window. We're sitting uh, you know, in of our mare step ground blind. The blind. It was um effective. Oh, it yeah, was it affected us. It was, <laughs> like, seriously, to the point yeah, where I thought we were going to throw up. I was going to be gagged. I was like, bad. don't you Look, ever do that again. A little again. too much of it. Ever right? do that again. Yeah, well, I think, my, I, you know, I, I sort of overdo things. Yeah. A and, little, and I o- a little bit. definitely overdone the coon poop. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was, now, it was horrible. Okay, so let's go to uh, cut corn. <clears throat> yep. Once the corn has been cut, <clears throat> do you sit on the edge of the corn because the deer coming out there to feed on, you know, all the residue that gets left? Left behind, which is quite a bit, actually. Yeah, oh, can be. Oh, yeah. Depending how they combine. adjust that combine, but yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. And there's always going to be food source on the ground until they turn it over. Right. Once they turn it over, you could pretty much count pretty that much. field dead. Yeah. You, you, you know what I mean? You you yeah. can. 
We'll be right back with more Ralph and Vicki's Off-Grid Podcast. This segment of Off-Grid Podcast is brought to you by New Archery Products. Since the introduction of the first Spitfire broadhead more than two decades ago, NAP has been leading the way in a mechanical broadhead technology. No matter what game you're pursuing or which style of mechanical broadhead you prefer, NAP has something for you. From the time-proven Spitfire line to the rear-deploying kill zone line that creates massive entry holes, NAP mechanical broadheads continue to pave the way. Welcome back to Ralph and Vicky's Off-Grid Podcast with your host, Pete Rogers. Um, but, all you know, when you're hunting those, there's to me, there's... There's a few different ways. One, you so you know, don't infringe on the bedding area. Okay. You can hunt the timber. Maybe trying to get a buck that you've got on camera that's pretty nocturnal. Mm-hmm. You're trying to find out where he's coming from, so you keep moving further and further. But you don't want to infringe on that bedding area. Okay. You, you, right. you know what I mean? Right. So, so I think there's a there's a medium there that you you know yeah. we just try to follow. Yeah. Two, you're going to have a staging area. Right. The staging area is is like if you could take a visual, like we use our drones, and you'll go up and you all of a sudden you can find it looks like a wagon wheel of trails. Right. Comes into a point, could be could be 10 yards off the field edge, could be 50. But if they have the, the availability of seeing that area, that food source, that, you know, that cut right. corn field or that, you know, cut bean field or the standing beans, they they stage here. And a lot of your deer will come here communicate the does the yearlings the small bucks will go out and then your bigger bucks will stay there till dark till they feel a little more secure Mm -hmm. so setting up on a staging area which is closer to the fringe you know to to, to the end and then there is hunting you know what i mean is is hunting the edge Mm -hmm. where you're going to get a lot of scraping yeah. may not really be the deer you're looking for, right. you know what I mean? And it's going to probably be a fair amount of young deer, but also nocturnal. Your, your bigger bucks may be scraping in those fields at night. Right. Or you establish, you know, a, a, a scrape tree. Right. You can put trees in, you know yeah. what I mean, and yeah. get them to do those types of things. Right, right. A lot of that, you know, is, it, it, takes, it takes patience. And it you you have to be there, and you have to you know learn it. So how far is the staging area from the edge of the field? It all depends, sir. Like, like if if they can if it's on a if it's on a ridge, it could be further away because they can actually see it and set check it prior to you, you know what I mean. If it's in real thick cover and there's thick cover leading up to the field, come right you, to the edge. Yes, sir. Yeah. You, yep, you'll have them closer. Now these are just things that we've learned. Mm-hmm. We're no experts. Well, that's things that we just the home in the in the in the thick woods. The staging areas will be fifteen to thirty yards from the edge of the field. Yep, correct. Uh, if it happens to be open, it could it could be fifty to sixty Further. yards, but yep. it's not much more than that because they just can't nope. see through they, the foliage yeah. and stuff, you know. Um, and so it's very similar here. So, um, all right, now let's talk about soybeans. All right, so they're cutting soybeans now as well. Right. Um, standing beans, obviously, that's going to be good through the whole season. Right. But most farmers don't leave their beans standing that long. Phenomenal for the late season. If, if they're the still standing. If you if can there's talk, anything left on them. Yep. If you can talk to a landowner or a farmer, mm-hmm. or you can actually purchase half an acre of his standing be- of his beans and leave them standing for late season. I'll give you market value oh, for this. My Just don't goodness. harvest it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. 
You know, now the only thing I didn't, I didn't, I don't even think we touched on, and that is actually setting up your ground blinds in the corn. No, we haven't talked about you, that. You know what I mean? So partially yeah, cut Yeah, early field. season it would work. Cut part of it and, you know, always keep the blind, keep the setup, keep the standing corn in your favor for the wind conditions. Okay, yeah. But as you start to chop that corn down, you know, the farmer comes in and takes it. If you can keep that blind close and keep moving it, all you're doing is giving you a better opportunity using the standing corn for your concealment with your ground blind. Right, right. And you take some time. I mean, probably one of the best people, Don and Candy, Kiskis, I mean, when he's done with a blind... You can't tell. You it's, can't see it you at all. No, you would line. think it was yeah. just the cornfield. It looks like rows of corn. He just brushes it in. Oh, yeah. Thing. There's an art to that. Yeah. You know, but, but I mean, you yeah, got to get credit. I personally suck at that. I'm just terrible. Oh, yeah. I, I, see, I love it. I, I try, but I'm just I'm just not. Because everything that we cut at home dies as soon as you put it on there. Well, yeah. You know, well, yeah, so well, you're hot. waiting for the yeah. corn to be dead anyway. So. Yeah, well, yeah, we don't see. have those kind of corn. No, we don't have it. People who plant corn at home, they cut it green for silage for their cows. Oh, yeah. No, see, all of our corn. You probably Come saw that drive around here. They have summer, done. and then they have Christmas. That's, That's right. I forgot. Right. Oh, that. what That's was I it. thinking? No. Yeah. You probably can't put it, set it up. Yeah. In the, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so, so again, you know what I mean? And the other thing we're seeing a lot of, and I, I don't want to, but but is happening more often. And just like if I, well, when, when we take you out here, okay, mm-hmm. you're going to see a cut bean field, and you're going to go, oh my gosh, they re, they re, you know they replanted. And it's just sprouts of beans already coming back up since since, since it was they cut. took it. Yeah. But because they took it, because a lot of it was wet, and so a lot of the pod, you know, pods went back into the ground. Mm-hmm. So it's growing. However, here's a good example. Tonight, we're probably going to have our first frost. Right. So that none of that is going to be an attractant. It's going to be dead. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? I do. But if it wasn't. There again, you would have another, you know, right. food, another source. food source. Right. And it's From just the, volunteer beans is what yeah, it is. Yeah. Just like volunteer wheat, alfalfa, yeah. whatever. And if it wasn't volunteer, if it hadn't sprouted, it'd be just residue from the harvesting, right. and they'd be out there eating that. Yep, yep. Yeah. You know, from a uh, nutrition standpoint, uh, Kip Adams at QDMA was telling me this recently, that the husk of soybeans has more protein than a white oak acre. Wow. So that's one thing. The husk. The husk of the soybean, not the bean itself. Yep. So that's why, you know, the standing beans is so important to the deer in late season because they're getting so much extra protein from the bean and from the husk. The pot itself mm-hmm. has more protein in it than does a white oak acorn. Um, so that's that's a very very. But I bet you it's source. not as sweet. That's surely not. As sweet. <laughs> Can't be nearly as tasty. And no. you know that that's yeah. probably the biggest the big draw you yeah. know for them is like ooh baby yeah it's like Vicky and her coffee. Yeah, it's gonna happen. It's gonna it's gotta, happen. It's gotta happen. It's, it's not gotta, gonna. It's gotta. <laughs> okay, so we've covered uh, cover, water, uh, standing corn, beans. cut corn, beans, um, and we're still still focused on early season. Right. So let's say that you're um, uh, in a still in an ag area, but it's a a larger woodlot than normal. Um, or not just fingers, not just fingers, but it's a, 
And what would that be here? Maybe ten acres, fifteen acres of woods. Well, you know, it all depends. If you go, if you go a little east, uh, you know, you you could run into hundreds of acres of timber. You yeah. know, I mean, Ohio, yeah. for yeah. example, and yeah. you could go down south. You know, right. and national forest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, so so I don't know if we could pinpoint. You really gonna go back thing. to the acorns then? Yeah, yeah. You're, well, you're gonna go check your ridges. Mm-hmm. Leading to your food sources, you know, and find your acorn crop mm-hmm. in the early season. Right. Um, and then also understand that, you know, where are they going to bed? If yes. it's super warm out, where are they going to be? North facing mm-hmm. slopes. Mm-hmm. They're going to, yeah. you know what I mean? They want to yeah, be where it's the coolest. Yeah, yeah. And uh, for a lot of people, you know, compasses, you, your phone has a compass. Yeah. If you have any questions, utilize some of this technology. Every time I'm setting up a new set, I have my phone on my compass and I'm looking and I'm trying to, and I'll tell everybody, okay, guys, look at, we could hunt this with a west wind. We could hunt this with a north. We could even get away with a south, maybe even a southwest, but anything east we can't do. You, right. you know what I mean? Yeah, they do the same thing. Yeah. It, but it, it also, we know where the deer are coming from yeah. and where they want to go. And if you're hunting a food plot, you know you're bringing them to you. Yeah. But you better know where they're coming from. Right, right, and then have your stand set up accordingly. Yeah, which is another good uh, another good point in this uh, early season is is uh, tell me walk us through your process of how you go selecting the right tree because you're bow hunting and you're trying yep. to get within we'll say thirty yards right as an example. So if you're you've determined where the where the bucks are bedding, you've determined where they're feeding. Um, how do you go about finding, because I know for me personally, it's like the big challenge of finding the right tree, tree. not an acceptable tree, right. the tree. And, uh, and I'll be, and I'll stand there sometimes 45 minutes walking around, looking at him and say, well, he's going to come through here. So, uh, that, that's not right. That one's not right. Then, okay. This is it. This is the one I need to be in. And, and, and the stand needs to be facing exactly this angle yep. needs to be 163 degrees. Northeast. What movement you don't have to make. Right. 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 You don't have to shift. You don't yeah, have to turn. being anal with that or no, is that something? No, that, no, that sounds like Ralph out in the woods. Uh, 100%. <laughs> you know, I mean, we, we know, you know, we know where they're bedding. We know where their food source is at. And Ralph's like, we get to get, we need to find a tree in here. Sometimes it's more like he sees a tree and goes, that's it. That's it. He that's doesn't have to think twice about it. Nothing that's all. it. More than likely he walks around and goes, mm, I don't know. Maybe, maybe mm, uh, mm. and then he usually, usually the tree he wants the ladder to stand in yeah. is the most crazy tree and well we're just gonna have to climb around that limb and i look at cover availability yeah he's not looking we've got everything we're doing is two people right so we gotta make sure there's enough to cover the hunter and and the the camera person any kind of movement yeah so now the other thing too that i started doing a while back and that is i'll create them when i say that i'm a big fan as we get older yeah hang-ons you know, they're not as comfortable as a you know a well-made ladder stand. Not nearly as comfortable. Or a dang ground blind. Not you, 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 nearly you, as comfortable. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Exactly. So we like we like using a lot of our ladder stands. Mm-hmm. We put the camera guy on a hang on right and back. Okay. So we hang the camera guy. They don't matter. Yeah. <laughs> as long as we're comfortable. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. They hear this. They're, <laughs> they're going to hear this podcast. They're going to be like, really, Vicky? Oh, yeah. What you're thinking? But they climb up the ladder to get into it. They yeah. do. So we're nice enough to let them use. And the they're ladder. all attached. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> got their lifelines we got everything sure. everything set up yep. that way yep. but the other thing too it affords us to brush in 
So I'll go grab, you know, I'll grab some oak limbs with leaves because they're going to stay on there longer. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. I'll t- I take wire or I take this. You ever see you could buy a little pack of this rubber insulated wire. Yeah. So it's that. quiet. Yeah. You, you could use rope, you know, what I mean? but the wire is just easier, especially if it's one person, you know, you're holding it and you could just hurry up and, you know, wrap it. You don't have to let go and try to tie it. Um, but I'll create. Foliage. So you put that on the ladder stand itself? On the ladder stand or on limbs overhanging. You know, if I look at a setup and I know, okay, we want to face, this is going to be for the evening. We don't, the sun's going to be coming down on us. I'll cut a nice limb and I'll lash it in to create shadow on us. Okay. So, so, and you'll see some of these, you know what I mean? I brush them in. I like that. I use uh, artificial Christmas trees. Yep. Well, you, Mm -hmm. we've been doing those for years. Yep. Get get them in yard sales for $5. Yep. The limbs are very pliable and they last for years before they start to fade. And I just take them and wrap them around the limbs and Mm -hmm. do them all up and stuff. And, but, uh, yeah, so it's it's the same concept. So we need to hide this before you leave. So you can probably take that tree. That'll be bare. It'll be just a trunk. Start taking the pieces off of it. <laughs> yeah, but I've been doing that. It's in a couple of my ground blinds. I re-erect the entire tree, just anchor it down oh, in no. the ground, and just mm-hmm. reassemble the whole artificial tree. I take Actually, the lights that's off. Fun part of it. Take the lights the, off and the icicles. I take oh, those off oh, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. You take the star off. Normally, at the star. Oh, I leave the angel. Do, do you leave the okay. angel? I do leave the that's angel because I think you really do need the angel. Over I the need every help I so can get. So do we. I do. Vicky, she's you know, but me, I need all the help I can get. All right. So is there anything else you can think of you want to add to early season? You know, I think the only other thing is in the majority of wherever you're hunting, especially in the Midwest, you're going to deal with warmer temperatures. Um, Dress accordingly. Uh, And and the other thing, don't forget, and that's ticks. And be prepared for that warm wire. Those ticks are carrying miserable diseases. Um, You know, and and, I mean, pay attention to that. What's the... Oh, no, per, 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 what is it? Per, per, what's that yellow bottle that takes spray? Permethium, permethium. Yeah. Yep. You better put that up. Permethian. Permethian. Right? Permethian. Permethian. Spray your clothes down ahead of time. Let it air out. No. Okay, that's close. Wrong one. But, you know, let it air back out, you know, and go ahead and go. And your clothes are good for a long time with you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and the other one other thing, though, is early season hunting. It doesn't matter, and it's all season by you. It's just make sure that if you are successful in filling a tag to take care of the meat as quick as possible. Because you don't want to waste no no you know if 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 deer meat's not what you like you just enjoy going out there and help managing game Mm -hmm. that's awesome but make sure that there's someone that you know would take that meat because there's a lot of people a lot of families out there that need that food they need that protein and that's one of the things that as a giving back is what we should do just make sure you don't and most states have a hunters for the hungry program right right. where you can donate it and processors will process it for free as long as it's donated yeah um at home, you have more time than you think you do, mm-hmm. but you don't have a lot of time to get right. that to get that meat to cool down. You know, you don't have a lot of time. So, field dress, get in the cooler, yep. and, you know, get it skinned, whatever you need to do. You know, get your pictures. Make sure that you can remember that, but then try to get that deer taken yes. care of as quickly as possible. And you know, Pete, on closing with the pictures, 
Take your time. Pay respect to that animal. Pay respect to the lifestyle. Absolutely. Don't have the tongue hanging out. Don't have the arrow in it. You know what I mean? Take clean it up. Yeah. You know, even if it's just for you and your family. Yeah. But have respect for it. Well, We've seen that, so many that. Yeah. And that's a good point because when you go back four, five, ten, fifteen years later, looking back through the pictures, you don't enjoy the picture as much no. if his tongue's hanging out or you got yeah. a shot of the entry hole as opposed to the the whole animal in a more dignified way. Yes. You know, it just, you know, at the moment it may seem kind of rah-rah, but then when you go back later and look at it or you're showing it to somebody, you don't get the reaction that you're hoping to get unless it's just a really nice right. uh, looking picture. And it's not hard to do. No, it's no. Not. It's not hard to do. You know, and, and the other thing, having friends that are game wardens, mm-hmm. we have learned a lot, mm-hmm. huh? Oh, yeah. and, and And I mean, today's especially... So many people are caught up in doing that selfie or doing that thing, uh, you know, with the animal they just shot. Make sure you've done everything legal. If that deer is sitting on the back of a pickup truck bed and it's not tagged and your state requires you to tag it before moving the carcass, you take that photo and you put that on some social media site. You just put evidence that you did something wrong. Right. Even if you have a tag exactly. in your pocket, yes. you just happen to not put exactly. it on it. Just exactly. be aware of things. That's yeah, all. Yeah, just, just a little bit of, uh, of care. Of course. Yes, that's Caution. all. Yep. Take your time. Don't get in the heat of the moment and all that kind of stuff. Um, I did think of one last thing sure. on the early season hunting, and that is access to your stand. I know at home, because we have so many oaks, it's, the leaves are so loud and all that kind of stuff. I've learned that. If I can't get to the stand quietly without spooking deer, there's no reason to hunt in there. So is that something that you would recommend here, too, is just really be careful about your access and making sure you can get there and out, you know, in the evenings? She's going to laugh at me because if you look at my mower blades, they're destroyed. They're destroyed. I actually try to mow most of our trails. So, so use a backpack blower and blow all the okay, leaves out of the way. Okay. <laughs> so, no, so I've been doing that for 20 years. So it's you know? as quiet as possible yeah. to get in it. Because if we are walking, depending on what we're doing, if you're walking across or through, you know, on the edge of a field, mm-hmm. and you're, but you're in the timber, and there, let's just say, let's just say you don't have access of coming in on the backside, but you want to hunt. Mm-hmm. What you want to do is you want to make sure you clean that trail. Right. So you can sneak in there quietly. If all of a sudden you hear deer and maybe a deer starts snorting and it's pitch black, I w- I'm challenging people to try something. Stop walking heel to toe. Yeah. Walk on your tippy toes. Walk about five, ten steps. Stop. You will be amazed at how those deer will, they'll just relax. Totally calm down. Because the only thing that walks heel to toe is man. That's right. And they hear that noise and they associate that. That's right. But if you all of a sudden just start walking instead of yeah. You'll be you'll be amazed at the dis, you know he the difference. He put his own sound effects in. Did you get that? Because yeah. on a podcast, yeah. you're not necessarily going to see him making these walking movements. No. But you know, just audio, you guys can hear. He, right. He's helping out. We don't have to take that to like a sound room or anything like that. How about this one? Those effects. Yeah, we've heard yeah. that before. We've heard that a few times. We've heard that yeah. a few times. Yeah. Like There's usually a white flag going around yeah. beyond us. If you haven't yeah. hunted, did you haven't that's been right. where the deer yeah. are? You know, that's if you haven't right. busted, yeah. you ain't, ain't bullet. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Okay, well, I think that uh, pretty much wraps it up as far as uh, early season hunt, uh, deer hunting tactics in the Midwest ag, ag country. Amen. Right? Yep. So, Sounds uh, good. Thanks for listening to Off Grid with Ralph and Vicki. I'm your host, Pete Rogers.
Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you come back again for more of Ralph and Vicki's Off Grid Podcast with your host, Pete Rogers. 